0: Let's go. It's Saturday. You guys know what that means? That means it's time for Ask RJS or I guess it's kind of turned into RJS asks where I ask you questions about the video game industry and then I read your responses on uh the Saturday episode. But but you know what? That's neither here nor there. Let's let's actually get into cuz I've got a lot of responses from you guys. Uh if you don't know Follow me on uh, Twitter at RunJumpStomp, and that is where I will be asking these questions. If you have comments or things that you want me to talk about on the show that maybe I missed throughout the week, then that's super easy to do. Tweet at me on, uh, on Twitter and use the hashtag AskRJS because right before I record the uh, show, I always look for what people are asking me before I uh, start building my show notes. So first, uh, let me get in with the questions that people uh, sent in. Uh, Beanboy asked, If when the Switch Pro releases, will you buy it or replace your regular Switch with it? What are you expecting to get out of a Switch Pro if you buy? Uh, That's a really good question, Beanboy. And I guess I'm going to have to turn this question around to all of you as well. Uh, because I think it is a very good question. What do you need from a Switch Pro in order to upgrade? And for me, I think that the one thing that the Switch Pro could do that would make me want to buy it is getting rid of the bezels. Just having a smaller bezel on the Nintendo Switch would make the whole experience much, much better. So last night, I was uh, downstairs. My wife, my son, and I were all playing Animal Crossing. My son has his in the Switch dock, and my wife and I are playing. She's playing on her Switch Lite, and I'm playing on uh, my Switch. And uh, I was, you know, I was kind of irritated because everything was so small. And I, I, you know, it's a small screen. And while I really like the Switch Lite, that's way too small of a screen for me. So I think that uh, having less bezels and having an overall larger screen would be better. Um, If they were going to do that, then I think that they need to increase the resolution because what we've seen in the past with, say, the 3DS is that they made the 3DS XL, which had a bigger screen, but they left it at the same resolution, and that made all of the games kind of look trashy. They just didn't look as good on the 3DS XL as they did on the smaller screen of the 3DS. Now, the 3DS XL was more comfortable, so that's the one that I wanted to use, But it always drove me crazy whenever I looked at my sons, who he was playing on a 3DS, my old 3DS at the time, and I would see him playing the same game that I'm playing, and I would see it on his screen, and I'd be like, man, everything looks so crisp on that screen. So I think uh, if they did uh, get rid of those bezels, then they would need to increase the... um, uh, the, the resolution probably not up to 1080p, but maybe up to a 900p screen, which is very, very close to 1080p. Um, does that mean that the games in portable mode now run, uh, at a higher resolution? And I think that that has to happen as well, which then begs the question, what's going to happen with the battery life? So there's a lot of questions that have to be answered, but, uh, Thank you very much, Beanboy, for asking that question. And I am going to take that question and send it right back out to all of you. Uh, And it's going to read, that's a great question. I'm answering it right now on the show, but I'm curious what everyone else thinks. What feature do you need to make you upgrade from a Switch to a Switch Pro or XL or whatever they call it? Reply with your reasons for next Saturday's show. Uh, so thank you again to, um, oh gosh, I forgot his name, Bean Boy, for sending that in. I also got a question from Rabid Geek. They said, I was wondering, with the amazing Animal Cross Switch, what color combo slash game would you like to see a Switch designed like Zelda Breath of the Wild, one made to look like the Sheikah Slate? Um, absolutely, that would be a fantastic move to, to have the, the Sheikah Slate logo on the back of your Nintendo Switch. And maybe have the uh, the Joy Cons be the colors that represent um, like Link, which you know traditionally would have been green, but in Breath of the Wild they had that blue. Now I know that the the neon comes with the blue and the red, but I don't think that those really go. So I would like to. S- oh, you know what? I've ch- I'm changing my entire mind. I'm changing my mind. The logo for Nintendo Switch is red and white. And I would really like to see a uh, a Nintendo Switch that comes out with dark red sticks and buttons, but white plastic. I think that that would look really, really cool. Uh, thank you very much for the response. I would ask this to everybody else, but what I'm going to... I'm just going to retweet that, that, uh, that out to see what other people think, but I won't read that on the show because mostly it would be like blue and green or, you know, just people shouting out a bunch of colors. All right. So thank you everybody for sending in your, uh, questions. Now I have a bunch of questions that I asked. Uh, the first one, uh, that I asked last week, I said, animal crossing is finally here. Did you pick it up? Reply with what you think of it for next week's show. Uh, 61% of the people who, um, who saw my tweet and, uh, responded to it, they said, yes, they ended up picking it up. 38% did not pick it up. Um, Ivan Rodriguez says I've never played an animal crossing game before so I wasn't sure I'd like it but it's brilliant it's the last thing I think about before going to sleep and the first thing I think about when I wake up especially and this is me talking not Ivan but especially when you are thinking of oh man I wonder what my upgraded house is going to look like tomorrow like that that's always exciting when you uh, wake up and you're like oh man uh, I've got to do all this stuff but as soon as I'm done, I'm going to grab my Switch and check on my house and see how much bigger it is. Uh, He says, slight annoyance annoyance that I have to do certain things one by one and not in bulk, but still ace. And I have to agree with that too. Uh, So today I was playing um, Animal Crossing New Horizons. Brilliant game. I'm loving it. And um, I went to uh, Nook's Cranny. And I checked the sign out front, and it said that uh, a wooden block chair was the hot item today. And I so I went and I checked my um, my Nook phone on my recipe list, and it said that in order to make that, you needed soft wood, and that was it—just soft wood. And I knew that I had tons of soft wood because I I regularly go to those islands and chop everything down, so I have tons and tons and tons of building materials. Uh, so I went into my house and I grabbed all of the soft wood. Well, I left a stack of soft wood in my inventory or in my storage, and I grabbed all the soft wood and I turned it all into wooden blocks, uh, wooden block toys, and then I turned all of those wooden block toys into chairs, and that was kind of time consuming. And it would be really easy for Nintendo to make it so, and maybe this is something that happens later, like it's an upgrade where you redeem Nook Miles to do it, but it would be really awesome if when you go to craft something, it says, how many would you like to craft? And you could say, oh, I would like 10. And then the character does the animation and you have 10 instead of making me do one and then the next and then the next. It's kind of ridiculous. So, you know, fingers crossed that that's something that happens down the road, but uh, I'm having a lot of fun with the game. Uh, Shadow Grim says I've never really gotten into Animal Crossing before this, but it's got me hooked. Darkwing responded, "My family and I are loving it. It's been great to see my kids falling in love with the game." And Mark Miller says it's perfect. In all caps, I disagree that it's perfect, but it is really awesome. Uh, Shen says the the game couldn't come at a better time. Non-gamer wife is hooked. We take turns and enjoy developing our small island together. It's very addicting, and I'm amazed with all of the attention to detail that has been put into the game. And then finally... Maxinez says, it's such an amazing game. I'm going to put hundreds of hours into it. I like how you start with an island with nothing and gradually build build it up with more buildings. I get a lot of tweets in response to that. If you want to see what everybody else thinks, you can go to the show notes. This is episode 497. And then once you are in the show notes, you see a link to this particular tweet. And then you can see what everybody else thought. But thank you everyone who responded to that one. Now, in a related... Uh, Tweet. I also uh, asked everybody, I said, do you think the review bombing of Animal Crossing New Horizons is justified? Reply with your reasons, and I'll read them on the show. Um, So before I get into this, earlier on in the week, I talked about review bombing and that I've always been against it. Uh, And if you're new to the show, or maybe you just missed an episode where I talked about what review bombing is, I'll give you the, the quick download. Uh, but basically, review bombing is where people will en masse uh, go to a place like Metacritic and rate a game as zero stars. Um, and a lot of them will use bots to do it many, many times in order to impact the um, the user score. Because, you know, there's the critic score on Metacritic. Which is, you know, an amalgamation of all of the critical scores from, you know, uh, games journalists out there, and then there's the user score, which is just anybody can can submit a review, um, uh, and people who are upset uh, at Nintendo because Animal Crossing has a significantly poorer experience for player two than it does for player one. If you are one of those people who are sharing an island with maybe a significant other or a family member or a friend, it's it's not the best experience for the person who is not the primary resident of the island. And because of that, people are unhappy. And so then they go to uh, Metacritic and they, they, they review the score as a zero uh, in order to say, ah, see, this will teach Nintendo... It doesn't really teach Nintendo anything. Uh, I will say this, that I am personally against review bombing. Now, if you think that Animal Crossing is overall a good game, but you think that these choices that, that Nintendo has made make it a lesser game, then I can certainly understand, and and I have to qualify this by saying, I don't do number scores ever. I don't do number scores I don't like number scores, but let's pretend for a second that I did, and I thought the Animal Crossing was a 10, but the multiplayer stuff ticked me off enough that maybe I lowered it to a 9 or an 8 or something like that. That, I feel, is completely justified, but for people to just give it a 0 when clearly it is not a 0 game, it's amazing, and yes, things like this are subjective, but it's not really a 0 game. Uh, Anyway, I asked what you all thought about um, review bombing. And 14% of respondents said yes, that uh, review bombing was justified. Uh, Nintendo really screwed the pooch, and they deserve to be, quote unquote, punished for this. So uh, those review bombs are justified. 86% said no. That really surprised me. I thought that a much higher percent of people would disagree with me and say that it was justified. But actually, 86% of the people who saw my tweet and responded to it uh, said, no, it's not justified. And I like that, you know, that I'm happy about that. Now, that being said, uh, let's see what people said. Uh, Anthony Talcott says, I don't even like Animal Crossing, and I know that review bombing something is wrong. Jordan Williams says, uh, review bombers may have justifiable gripes with the game, But having a few issues with a game does not make a game 0 out of 10. Even with all of these issues people have with Animal Crossing New Horizons combined, the game is still easily a 6 or 7 out of 10. Rating it as 0 just shows a lack of critical thinking. Uh, James Murray says, My overall thought is no to scores of 0, but it is fair to criticize a game for the inferior experience of the second players on the Switch. They don't get their own island and they can't participate in a lot of the building planning events. And I agree with that. Uh, Webhead says, I have to say I wasn't going to buy this, but I picked it up because my kid had an eShop card. It's a great game and a cool feature with digital me and kid play own game at the same time and even play together with one that didn't work with Star. Okay, uh, Webhead, I'm not sure if you're responding to the tweet that I said, and it's kind of confusing, so let me move on from that. Uh, let's see. Joel Thompson says, user reviews are always judgmental. I doubt that every single person that gives it a perfect score loves every bit of it, just like the people that give it a zero don't hate every part of it. A zero is kind of ridiculous, though. The museum itself deserves to raise it a three at minimum. Um You know, he makes a really good point there. There's a lot of people out there who will only ever rate something a 10 or a zero. And that's another reason why I don't like review scores. All right. Uh, So there's a lot of people out there. Like I was on an episode of the Animal Crossing podcast called Crossing Animals last night. We recorded it. It came out yesterday as well. And um, we talked about our complaints with the game, of which I have many. All right, I already talked about the fact that you can't build multiple things in a row without having to keep spamming that A button. Um, Like that kind of drives me crazy. And there's a lot of other things that drive me crazy. And if you want to know all of the things that drive me crazy about the game, then, you know, check out that episode of Crossing Animals. But um, would I give it a 10? I don't, like I said, I don't do scores, but I I should lower the score because of those gripes that I have if that makes sense. So giving it a 10 is just as inconsistent as giving it a zero. That being said, this stuff is all subjective and uh, it's really hard for us to make decisions on that. Anyway, thank you everybody who replied to that one. We're going to take a quick break, here from a sponsor when we come back. Uh, we're going to talk about video game magazines. What year is it? When least expected, you're elected, you're the star today. Smile. You're on Game Boy Camera. It's fun to look at yourself as other people do. How's your sense of humor? There's a rumor laughter's on its way. Smile, you're on Game Boy Camera. Yes, with Game Boy Camera, you can turn photography into funtography. Smile, you're on Game Boy Camera. All right. My my question was, which video game magazines did you read or subscribe to growing up? For me, it was Nintendo Power and Electronic Gaming Monthly. Uh, EGM was by far my favorite. I loved that magazine, and I had stacks and stacks of them in, in my room that I loved reading through those. And in fact, I still read old issues to this day on my iPad. Anyway, I asked what your favorite ones, uh, favorite video game magazines were, and Joe uh, Joe Barrett said that he loved Nintendo Power, Electronic Gaming Monthly, and Game Pro. Uh, Matt Squatch said Game Informer. I bought the Metroid Prime 2 issue, and convinced my grandpa to order me a 24 month subscription. I can't see, says uh, Game Informer. Uh, let's see, Rayner says Nintendo Power. Every time it came in the mail was so exciting. I soaked every page up. I'd be all over it again if Nintendo brought it back. I don't know if you're aware or not, but um, people who worked on the original Nintendo Power magazine now make the Nintendo Power podcast, the official Nintendo podcast. I'll say that this is a better show, but I'm a little biased anyway. Um, Nate says, we didn't have subscriptions, my, my, but my brother and I would read magazines at the grocery store while my mom was shopping each week. EGM- Tips and tricks and Game Pro were the usual ones. Oh man, I I remember going to the store with my parents, and they would go and buy stuff. And then you know, if it was a toy store or something like that, then there was cool things that we could look at. But you know, most places had a magazine stand, so if you were bored, you could go and look at the magazines and absolutely we would go and look at those gaming magazines uh, that we, you know, cause we couldn't buy every single one. So a lot of us would stand there and read the magazines in the grocery store. That, that brings back some memories. Uh, Matt Burko says Nintendo power and EGM. I know you prefer magazines on your iPad, but I do miss print mags. Yeah, I can understand that there is something to be said for reading Uh, a physical piece of paper magazine. Uh, That being said, I have a question for you and it's not one that I'm going to, um, (laughs) I'm not going to read your responses to this one, but something that I always did whenever I read uh, those magazines is I would read them backwards and I don't know the reason why I just always tended to flip from the back to the front. I would, I would go start from the back and I would read an article and then I would flip to the next article and I would go in reverse. And I always did that with magazines and I don't know why. And I'm curious how many others of you out there read your magazines backwards. That's such a weird thing. You can let me know on Twitter, but I won't include it on the show. All right. Um, so this one, this tweet did not age well. I asked, do you believe the rumors that we'll get a Nintendo Direct this week? Uh, Spoilers, we did. Uh, And then I said, including Breath of the Wild 2 info as well as Metroid Prime 4. Reply with your reasons and I'll read them. Uh, So uh, 41% said yes, we would be getting uh, Breath of the Wild 2 info as well as Metroid Prime 4. And 58% said no. Anthony Garcia says, what reason speaks to it being this week? I might be out of the loop. Uh, My... The reason why I was guessing that there was a a Nintendo Direct this week was because we're coming up on the end of Nintendo's fiscal year. So it made a lot of sense for Nintendo to give us kind of a snapshot of what's happening. Well, not us, but stockholders give stockholders a snapshot of what's going to be happening on the platform this year so that stockholders can, you know, figure out what they're going to do. Uh, so that's the reason why I assumed it would this be this week. I don't know if that's why everybody assumed it would be this week, but hey, it turns out there was one. Uh, Otterscotch says, I want to believe it so badly. Before all the COVID-19 stuff, I was expecting one. I'd expect Breath of the Wild too. I had not considered Metroid, actually. Uh, Zachary says, I'm kind of 50-50. On one hand, there, there's a bunch of accurate leakers saying that we'll get one this week, but on the other hand, rumors are rumors. I want to believe this leak But I've been scarred too many times. For example, the Animal Crossing Direct was supposed to make, um, and then uh, he uh, make way for a Nintendo Direct, but look what happened. Maybe it was delayed, but why wouldn't this Direct be delayed also? I'm just saying that you shouldn't get your hopes up too high. Anyway, thank you very much for all of the responses there. So, look, we did have a Nintendo Direct, and my question to everybody was, so another Nintendo Direct has finally happened? What games were you most excited to see? Reply here, and I'll re- read your answers on the Saturday episode. Uh, Ted Wagner says that both Clubhouse Games and Good Job grabbed my attention. I purchased Good Job immediately. Uh, and I know he's a big bowling fan, so he doesn't have a choice. He's going to have to buy Clubhouse Games. Uh, Darren says, I seem to be in the minority here, that, uh, but the direct was very disappointing. None of the big Nintendo franchises were featured. I was expecting there to be some sort of significant news. Mario, Zelda, Metroid, heck, maybe some Pikmin news. This is what they have after 200 plus days? Uh, to respond to this, Darren, the reason I believe that we are not hearing about these uh, huge franchises that you're talking about, well, first off, they only wanted to, You don't want to go too long. So 30 minutes is fine. Uh, going much beyond that is not such a good idea. Um for them to do all of the, for them to include this stuff that you're talking about, that would mean that they would have to cut all of the other stuff out, and a lot of the stuff that was in this particular Nintendo Direct, and I'll, I'll make sure that I frame this properly, Mini, they called it a Mini, uh, was third party stuff and smaller stuff, and while I understand that people want to know about the big franchises, I think it makes a lot more sense for Nintendo to hold that stuff back. For E3, even though E3 has been canceled, I mean their June directive, which I'm sure we're going to get one. So, uh, to, for them to say that this is what they have after 200 plus days, I understand what you're saying, but I'm sure that they have more. They're just not telling us yet. So, keep that in mind. Uh, Perry David uh, says, "Star Wars Episode One Racer definitely caught my interest. I hope it's as good as I remember it being on the N64. I- I'm also really excited about the update to Ring Fit Adventure. It looks like a lot of fun and is very promising that they are continuing development on the ga- on the game. Yeah, you know, I don't even think I mentioned this on Friday's episode when I talked about the Nintendo Direct, but yeah, they had Star Wars Episode One Pod Racer." That's, that was very, very unexpected, and uh, I know that there's a lot of people who adored that game. Now, I don't think I ever played that, maybe like in a Sears, because I remember, you know, when that was out, if you went into a Sears, they might have an N64 uh, hooked up in in the store someplace, and usually, like, in the electronics section, uh, so, you know, you might go in there and be able to play Episode One Racer, but... Uh, I, don't, I never owned it, and I don't think anybody that I know owned it, but I heard extremely good things about that game. Uh, let's see, who else? Oh man, I had a lot of people reply to this. Bobby Blackwolf, uh, who is another podcaster. He has the Bobby Blackwolf show. I've been on it a couple times, and I've met him at Dragon Con. He's a good guy. Uh, he says, Clubhouse Games, no lie. It was my favorite game on the DS. Uh, Tim Thompson says, I'm also excited about Clubhouse Games. I played the heck out of that DS cart. Uh, Charles Kendall says, I'm actually excited to play through Bioshock again. And listen, I said this before, I'll say it again. If you don't have another place to play a Bioshock, then pick it up on the Switch. You're going to have fun. That game is a masterpiece. One of the greatest games of all time. Wonderful, wonderful storytelling in that game. And if I had to pick one of my all-time favorite storytelling moments in video games happens in Bioshock. And I'm not going to tell you what it is because spoilers. Finally, Fruzog says Bravely Default to The first game was amazing. Also, XCOM 2 loved the first XCOM on Vita. And finally, there's a good way to play part two. So thank you, everybody uh, who responded uh, with, with all of that. We've got one last topic to talk about and this is monetization models. Now, I talked about this on last Saturday's episode. Uh, somebody asked me, of Overwatch, Paladins, and Fortnite, which do you feel has the most consumer-friendly monetization model? I gave all of my thoughts and reasons last week. So if you want to know my thoughts on it, go back and listen to the episode from Saturday, the 21st of, uh, of March. Uh, but I, I asked you guys what you thought. And, uh, well, first off, I said which of these games has the best model. Uh, 57% said Overwatch has the best model. And then Paladins and Fortnite were tied for 21%. Um, the, the Ganson plays replied, they said Overwatch doesn't sell you season passes. And even though they are releasing Overwatch 2, they're still supporting the older version and not fragmenting the player base. And that is a very good point that I forgot to talk about last time. So, Let me explain exactly what he means. Overwatch is out. You can play it on a bunch of different platforms. It's also on Switch. And Overwatch 2 is on its way. Now, what comes in Overwatch 2? Well, new heroes come in Overwatch 2. New maps come in Overwatch 2. New modes come in Overwatch 2. And if, oh, and PvE content is coming to Overwatch 2. So new maps, new new heroes, new modes, new um, new PvE stuff. All that sounds awesome, right? If Blizzard wanted to, they could just put out Overwatch 2 and quietly ignore Overwatch 1, and it would slowly die off over time. The side effect of this would be that it would fragment the player base. It would be harder to find games because half the people would be playing Overwatch 1, while the other half is playing Overwatch 2 blizzard understands this and they're doing the most consumer friendly thing they're saying don't want to buy overwatch 2 that's fine we're going to include all the maps in overwatch 1 we're going to include all the heroes in overwatch 1 we're going to include all the new modes in overwatch 1 the only thing that you don't get if you don't buy overwatch 2 is the new pve content that's player versus environment that's uh where it's not pvp That is incredibly friendly to the consumer as far as a monetization model. And it's healthy for the game. Uh, So I think that that's a really, really good point, Ganson. Uh, Thank you for reminding me. Uh, Charles Kendall says, in Overwatch, you can get everything through gameplay. Paladins in Fortnite have cash-exclusive items. If cash is to remain in Overwatch, then I wish I could buy the item that I want compared to leaving it to chance. That's a good point too. Anyway, uh, those are the replies from all of my questions throughout the week. If you don't follow me on Twitter, you need to. If you want to see these polls, see what other people in the gaming industry uh, or, or who follow the gaming industry think and maybe get your thoughts on the sh- on the show. So uh, thank you everybody who already does that. And uh, again, I'm at RunJumpStomp on Twitter. If you want to become a part of our community, you're missing out on some fantastic, awesome conversations that are happening in our community right now. But join our community of over twelve hundred other people on runjumpstomp.com/discord. We have constant conversations in there all day long. We're talking about video games and movies and and all kinds of stuff. Uh, lots of really fun conversations in there are, are happening in there. Uh, so again, that's runjumpstomp.com/discord. Uh, This show is part of the Giant Size Team Up Network. For more information, make sure you check out JSTU.net. And if you're looking for ways to support the show, there are many, many ways that you can do it. Head on over to runjumpstomp.com slash thank you. I have an Amazon affiliate link. If you shop on Amazon, that supports the show. Um, If you are looking to buy uh, uh, digital games for your Nintendo Switch, purchase an eShop gift card through my Amazon affiliate link, I get some money from Amazon, you get your eShop gift card and it doesn't actually cost you any extra money. Uh, Twitch Prime, if you are an Amazon Prime user, then you have a free subscription to Twitch Prime and you can use it on any streamer that you want. I would suggest that you do it on my stream, twitch.tv slash runjumpstomp. And I of course sell t-shirts and uh, hoodies and stickers and all that stuff. Uh, And you can find links to all of these things again at runjumpstomp.com slash thank you. The music you're hearing right now is Corneria Star Fox Remix by Noteblock. Thank you all for listening. I'm out of here and I'll see you guys next time. Bye-bye.